Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I want to welcome all those who are watching in the 715 area code, watching online. Glad that you're connected with us uh, this morning. I want you to know, always, it's much better in person. What a great worship experience we had this morning. Can we just give it up for the worship team that led us this morning? I appreciate all you guys. So we've been in a summer series called Summer on the Mount, and we have been going through uh, the different story or the different parts of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew 5 through 7. I've had a lot of fun, and I'm sure a lot of you have just kind of wondered, like, well, okay, what topic is he going to be talking about next? Uh, We've talked about some great things. We've talked about your attitude, the importance of your attitude. We've talked about anger, worry, prayer, and fasting. So we went there, we went into the deep end of the swimming pool and we talked about lust uh, and we talked about revenge. So we have been talking about a, a lot of things this past year, uh, or this past summer. And today we're going to go into another deep one. And we're, the title of my message today is Judge Not, Discern More. Judge Not, Discern More. You see, this is probably one of the most misquoted verses in the entire Bible. How many of you ever heard of that? Judge not, lest ye be judged. I mean, you've heard that. I mean, if you grew up with that, I mean, you've heard that in your workplace. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. How many of you heard that in your home, from your spouse, from your kids? Do not judge me. Today we're talking about judge not, discern more. As Jesus tells us this in Matthew 7 1, do not, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. You know, I think one of the, if you if you do studies on why people attend church and what people think about faith, they say that this is one of the biggest reasons that, that just kind of repels people away from Christianity and the church. Because the people, whether right or wrong, they have this sense that Christians are judgmental people. One of the biggest reasons, and people will say, this is one of the biggest things that keeps me away from the faith. How many of you would agree we should not judge others? How many of you would agree? You should not judge others, okay? Okay, I I want you to watch this video. I hope you guys are set with the video. Yeah, I want you to watch this video, and I want you to tell me your thoughts. Just kind of just, what are your thoughts after watching this video? Go ahead and play that. Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's a thumbs down. Okay, excellent. Uh, all right. <laughs> no chance of showing that video. Because it proves my point exactly. And I keep seeing these thumbs down. All right, all right. Jesus says not to judge. But look what he says here. Look what he says just four verses later. He says this. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. So wait a second. Did did Jesus just tell us not to judge people 
But then just a, a few verses later, he's, he, he tells us to make a judgment on people. How many of you are like kind of scratching your head? Like, wait, 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 uh, that, which, which one are we supposed to do? We're supposed to not judge people, but you know, make judgments about people here, okay? So then you look verse nine verses later, and you see here, verses 15 and 16, then again Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Wait a second. Wait, wait, verse one and one said, do not judge, but here I'm making judgment. I can judge a person by, how, by their fruit, by what's coming out of their lives. I can make a judgment. Again, how many of you are a little confused here? A little confused. Sometimes it's like that, okay? So then he tells us here, um, Jesus compels us to judge right and wrong. Right and wrong. Think about this. If thou shalt not judge ever, if that was the message that Jesus was trying to communicate, well then, on your way to the, the, the church this morning, if you're driving on the wrong side of the road, what, what gives the, the, the police officer the right to say, hey, you were driving on the wrong side of the road? That, doesn't, that wouldn't be a fair judgment. He should not judge. The teacher has no right, students, the teacher has no right to give me a D. They have no, no right to judge me, to judge my grades. No customer has the right to complain that their food is too cold. You can't judge our food like that. Again, it's some kind of confusion. Is this really what Jesus meant for us today? I heard a sermon by a preacher named Craig Rochelle. And I think with this message, it really helped me to understand and helped explain better what Jesus is maybe trying to share with us this morning. So we, the real issue is this. Jesus is speaking to that judgmental heart. Yeah, so many times when you look through, through the, uh, the, the, the Gospels, you see Jesus. Why did he say that? He's speaking to the heart. Jesus is speaking to your heart this morning because he knows there's a tendency within each and every one of us, myself included, to become judgmental. Not just to make judgments, but sometimes I become judgmental. And when I become judgmental, I have a tendency to become self-righteous. And I have this thing that I call a religious spirit that begins to rise up within me and I begin to judge people. I'm not sure many of you have never dealt with that issue. I'm just talking about me this morning. You see, uh, when you look at this passage here, are you guys, are you, we had the video. Maybe this will help us understand a little bit. Just go ahead and watch this video and you, just because I want you to get a kick out of this. Go ahead. A nice uh, time for me. This year I have made 55 years teaching in this town. And for the students on this show tonight, but again, first year I met this church, that includes me. I'm the first year I met this church. Reverend Jones, Bill Jones opened our show last time, and he's not here tonight. So John Baker's here, Bob Spencer, Michelle Casey, and I all go to First United Methodist Church. So John is going to sing a song that's very popular nowadays, as Christ the Lord is risen today, and he's going to do Amora too, okay? 
My name is John Dacre. Lord is risen today. If I did a gong, 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 cut, I can't take any more. I can't take any more. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to prove the point. My point was that Jesus says not to judge, and you all said, yes, we should not judge. And then I wanted to show that video and say, you're all hypocrites. You're all hypocrites because that was terrible. And you've all had thought that in your minds, but you didn't want to say it. It was terrible. Because we make judgments. We, we, we judge. We'd like, well, I would tell you right now, I'm not sure we would invite John Decker to be on our worship team. Not just yet. Just give him a, a, a few tryouts here and there. But again, the real issue is Jesus is talking about the heart. Because he knows the human heart all so well. And sometimes we go a little bit farther. We go a little bit deeper. We go a little bit darker than what we should. And so, like I said, I, I, I read this, this sermon here by Craig Rochelle, and he talked about the, difference, the differences of the Greek word of judge. And there's, di there's different interpretations. For instance, there is a wrong judgment, and that is the word, the Greek word is katakrino, katakrino. And it really what that means is to condemn. And then there's a right judgment called crino, and that is to discern. Catacrino is this. It's to act as the final interpreter of a person's character and final authority over a person's eternal outcome. And, and it literally means to put yourself in the place of God. And you are the one who makes the judgment whether they are right or wrong and whether they deserved condemnation or not. And Jesus wants to so avoid that. That's not our place. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not your place. Condemnation is not your place. As a matter of fact, the word of God says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But then the other word for judgment is crino. Crino, and, and this means to separate the good from the bad. It is a conscious effort to carefully explore the moral right and wrong of a situation with the desire to honor God and serve those involved. It is often translated, again, to discern, to discern. Discernment is not about deciding whether one person thinks another person is right or wrong. Discernment is about understanding what moral position God holds in relationship to that question. The motive, what is the motive? And the motive in discernment 
is humility and love. Humility and love so that I can help, so that I could possibly help walk that person into freedom. I'm gonna approach them with humility and love and not judgment and condemnation so that I can help, possibly help, walk them into freedom. I, I, I think here's a difference. Maybe this explains it a little bit more. So M- Michelle and I, we were just watching a movie recently, this whole big courtroom battle, and you have this person who's sitting up on the, on the and they got this robe, and that is the judge, and the judge is the one who makes the final decision, and they're the ones who put out the sentence on, on somebody. But then you got these, uh, this group of people over here, and they're called the jury, And their responsibility is to just listen to the story, listen to the evidence, and then make a discerning decision on what they feel the verdict should be. And then they pass that on to the judge. And then it is the judge who lays down whatever the the sentence is. And so we have judge and we have jury. And I think what Jesus is trying to say that he's saying to all of us this morning, don't put yourself in place of judge. Be careful when you do put yourself in place of judge. But maybe we need to live in the land of jury. The challenge is not to to live by a judgmental spirit, katakrino, but instead make judgments with a discerning heart, krino. We're starting a program here in just a few weeks called Celebrate Recovery. How many of you heard of Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery is a ministry for not only people in the church, but in our community. People who are just like we sang about, break every chain. People who have hurts, habits, and hangups. Chains. And it's a ministry that helps walk people through that, through that process. And I'm very excited. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's a friend. Maybe that is somebody that you know who could really use a program like that. How many of you, if you came to that first night and we had greeters at the door welcoming these people into our building with habits, hurts, and hangups, and they heard things like as they greeted people at the door, shame on you. Shame on you. You sinner. You're never going to change. Look what you have done. You're all a bunch of heathens. <laughs> How many of you, like, I think I'm in the wrong location. I'm in the wrong building. How many of you, how many of you would believe that would not be a recipe for success? How, how many of you are like, yeah, 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 that, that's, that's wrong. That would be wrong. So it's the difference of hang, hang, handling people's sin with either pride or humility. Have you ever noticed that judge pe- judgmental people have a like a life-taking attitude. This is why this is so important. Life, judgmental people have a life-taking attitude. Here's maybe some things that you might be able to see in somebody or maybe see in yourself that, that might show that you are a judgmental person. Number one, you're judgmental. Judgmental people, they, they communicate this attitude, you should be ashamed of yourself. Judgmental people tend to be self-righteous. These are people who who communicate, you're not as righteous as me. They have a critical spirit. 
You're just not doing it right. You're not good enough. Or maybe they have a religious spirit who says, you're not spiritual enough. You're not worthy enough as I am. How many of you have ever run across these before? Yeah, right? Okay. Sometimes we see that in ourselves. We see this in the spirit of the Pharisees. If you remember, these religious leaders that Jesus would, would come into contact. When you read through the Gospels, there was a, a group of people that oh, Jesus would speak straight into them. And he said, man, you people, you religious leaders, you're so judgmental. You're so self-righteous. You're so critical. And your problem is you're so religious and you're missing all of it. The Pharisees, this was their attitude that they had. You know what I think? I think one of the reasons why the Pharisees were so good at this is because when people use these tactics, it's usually a smokescreen. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody who's just a little ultra-religious, a little ultra-critical, you, you, you typically find out maybe there's something else that's going on in their life, but they're trying to distract and put it on you. I'm confident that people still use this tactic today. Here's another reason why this is so important. Judgmental people appear hypocritical to the golden rule, to the golden rule. Jesus says this, Matthew 7, 12. This is one of the most important statements that he makes in the Bible. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is also known as the law of respect. Respect, we are called to treat others as equals, how many of you have ever been disrespected before? What somebody was trying to do is trying to, to lower you a little bit and put themselves above you. And so, so when we treat someone with catacrino judgment, that puts you in a prideful place above them. And it puts them in a place of disrespect. No one wants to be treated this way. If you've ever been treated this way, maybe by a boss, a parent, or somebody, a religious leader in your life, it just, you feel like, ah, oh, I don't even want to be around that person. I want you to know here at Thrive Church, we are, we are going to treat you with respect. Wherever you are in life's journey or in faith journey, I want to especially speak to all those people in the 715. Wherever you are in life, we will commit to live out the law of respect. And we want you to know that here at Thrive Church, you are welcome here, you are accepted, and you are loved. And if you are in alignment with that this morning, will you just give a shout out? <laughs> Wherever you are in life, we will treat you with respect. Here's another reason why this is so important. Judgmental people work against God's mission. Whoa, that's a big statement right there. Judgmental people. This is so important for us to understand is because judgmental people, they work against God's mission. John 3, 16, one of the most important scripture verses in the entire Bible, and it states God's mission. God sent his son, Jesus, into the world as the solution for salvation. Salvation is through 
Jesus. John 3.16. You watch any football game, and you'll see people at the end zone holding up the sign. John 3.16. How many of you have ever seen that? On TV, John 3.16. John 3.16. We want people to know what Jesus is missioning. The very next verse... Jesus reaffirms what he is doing, and he said this. God sent his son, Jesus, into the world to not, everybody say not, not to judge, not to catacrino, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him to save the world through him. His mission was not about judgment, not about catacrino. His mission was all about salvation. And when we walk around as Christians thinking that we're doing God a favor by living out catacrino towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are actually working against the mission of Jesus. How would our world be different if that's what the church... What if, what if we just spent our time working on Jesus' mission rather than the mission of Catacrino? How would the church be different? How would this world be different? And last of all, why is this so important? This is so important because no one likes to be around judgmental people. No one likes to be around them. You see, when Christians lead with judgmentalism, they lose all credibility with the disengaged. All of a sudden, the disengaged, people who are not connected with Christ, they see a judgmental person and they walk right by him just like this. I have no respect for you because you have no respect for me. I do not listen. Catacrino. Today, I wanna give us four cautions quickly here and making right judgments, right, making crino, discernment judgments, things that, that will help us with this journey because like I said, like we showed in that video, we're all kind of making judgments, so what do I need to be looking out for? Here are four cautions that we need to be mindful of. First of all, we need to be careful not to be others-focused. Others-focused, it's so easy it is easy to point out the faults of others. And some of us, we have become so good at it <laughs> to pick out the faults and the flaws and the sins of other people. But look what Jesus says here. Again, going back to the Matthew 7, Jesus is continuing this conversation. He says, and why? Why do you worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Hypocrite. Again, one of the, the biggest reasons that dis, uh, disengaged people will give to why they don't attend church, why they want nothing to do with the church, because they feel the impressions that they've got is that a lot of times that church is full of hypocrites. People who, who say one thing and do another. One time, I was speaking, I was, uh, I was doing a sermon series on marriage. 
And I was just having the hardest time putting this message together. I really was. Because I knew everything that I was trying to tell what you should be doing. I was not doing it. I was not doing it. And that Sunday morning, I felt so convicted. That, and I just explained to everybody why I had this prop, the prop that I had up there that Sunday morning. At that Sunday morning, I had them put up a prop of a full-length mirror. And I had them not facing the audience, but I had it facing me. And throughout the message, I would say, hang on a second. Did you just hear what you just said? Did, did you just hear that? And I, th I think maybe that's what we need to do. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Maybe we need to pull out some full-length mirrors and begin to ask ourselves, instead of looking at all the flaws and everybody else, I mean, we need to do a little bit more mirror watching. Sometimes we can become so others-focused that it's easy to ignore the sins in our own lives. It's such an interesting story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Remember the story of the Pharisees. Remember the religious people that I talked about who tried to hide their own sins by pointing out the sins of others? One day they found this woman caught in adultery and they wanted to just make a spectacle out of Jesus. And so they brought her out into the city square where Jesus was at and they wanted him to make a judgment, okay? They wanted to turn him like themselves. And so, okay, Jesus, she deserves to be stoned. That is the law. Jesus, what do you say that that should happen to her? Isn't it interesting, by the way, time out here, pause. Isn't it interesting that these religious people would bring out this woman. And don't, aren't, aren't you just curious when you read this story, where's the guy? Where's the guy? That bothers me. But I think maybe it's because of Jesus' answer. Remember his answer? What, what should we do? What should we do with this woman? Here's this woman. They all had these stones in their, in their hand and they're just ready for Jesus to say, stoner. And what does he do? He turns the table on him and he says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. I'm convinced, I'm convinced the reason why these Pharisees put down their own stones because he was calling them. He's saying, you're that guy. All of you Pharisees, you've done the same thing. Done the same thing. You're just as guilty as her. You deserve to be stoned. You deserve to be stoned. Remember, they put down the stones and they walked away. I, I, don't, I don't want to hide anything here. Jesus approached this woman then with truth and grace. Remember that, truth and grace. I want to talk about this in a, in a later sermon. He approached her and he said, now you go and sin no more. Jesus spoke the truth. You have sinned. He's making a judgment. But instead of giving her condemnation, he gives to her grace. Truth and grace. We need to be people of truth and grace, not people who nitpick the small issues of others. Paul, the apostle Paul, chimes in here in Romans 1, Romans chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say that you are wicked, that they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these same things. We need to be people 
who are looking more in the mirror instead of always finding the flaws in others. Be careful, number two, be careful of judging by appearance. Judging by appearance, and we do that all the time. Driving down the street, we, maybe you might see a homeless person pushing a shopping cart, and you might think in your mind, I've thought this, they deserve that. That's, that's, what they, that's what they deserve. That's the life they chose, so they deserve that. I remember years ago, I'll never forget this moment. I was a youth pastor in a, in a larger church in Dayton, Ohio. And we were going through our service. And a lot of times, sometimes the pastor would come in, you know, at a different time. Maybe he was, you know, praying with people. And, you know, we were going through worship and we we're doing all, going through all the announcements and everybody's like, where's pastor? Where's this pastor? And in the meantime, in this back corner, you know, you're just kind of looking around. I think I was making some announcement this morning. And I'm wondering, where's pastor? And I maybe, do I need to stall? I noticed this, there's this person. They got this hood up there. and just looked like a homeless person. And I'm like, I hope the ushers have an eye on this person. You know, what, you, know you know, you never know what's, what's going to happen here. And uh, so I made all this, and it was just... So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to walk off the stage by faith and pray that pastor comes up on the platform wherever he is. Just as I'm stepping down, the homeless gentleman who has the hoodie takes off his hood and walks up to the front, and it's pastor. And he had shared with us this morning, that morning, he came in as a homeless person and he smelled and, you know, he had something in his bag. I don't know what, Pastor, what do you have in your bag anyhow? That um, nobody had talked to him, nobody had greeted him. He did not feel welcome, accepted, and loved. And share with us the importance. My, my point is sometimes we judge people by appearance and we do not know. We do not know. Matter of fact, Michelle and I went to this restaurant uh, years ago. Somebody had given us this gift certificate, and we've heard all about this restaurant, and we walked into this, this restaurant at Algoma called Scallywags. Anybody ever heard of Scallywags? And we're like, what? And we walked in there like, what kind of place is this? We've we got to be in the wrong place. we got to be in the wrong place. And, and we had, and it was just, it was just a bar and it was just messy and it was goofy, it was chaotic. And then we had this person come out and talk to us and we're like, well, this must be the waiter. He must, he's gotta be the bartender, okay? This, we had our food, the best food ever. The gentleman who came out and talked to us who looked like somebody off of the streets was the chef. The best food, the best meal Ever. Sometimes we judge by appearance and we completely miss it. Jesus tells us, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. The Word of God tells us that God himself does not look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart of man. So what if we chose not to judge by mere appearance, but instead gave people the benefit of the doubt? And number three, caution is this. Is be careful of judging others by your Christian standards. Now hear me out on this. Your Christian standards. I used to get mad at how people in my community used to behave. 
It's like, ah, what is wrong with these people? And they're doing this and they're doing that. And I used to, and somebody came up to me and asked me, why are you getting angry about being, why, why are you getting angry with people who are just being who they are? Like, what do you mean? It's like, well, you're judging your community by your Christian standards. You're, you're expecting people to act and live like Christians or, uh, uh, from people who, I'm not a Christian. So, so why are you judging them? Paul even talks about the same issue in 1 Corinthians 5. He says this, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. You know what he's talking about here? In this passage, Paul is saying, listen, people, listen, you got a sin. He's talking about a specific sexual sin that is happening in the church, and they are ignoring it, and it's splitting this church apart, but nobody's doing anything about it. Nobody's trying to help this couple out, help these people out, because these people, this church, is so busy condemning what's happening on the outside of the church instead of trying to help people who are inside the church. And we need to be careful we need to be careful of that. I want you to just, I, I use this illustration. Years ago, I went on a missions trip to the country of Thailand. Imagine a missionary. If you've ever been to Thailand, it is, it is incredible. It's all Buddhist culture. How successful would a missionary be coming from the United States, going into a country like Thailand who, that is 100% Buddhist culture, comes into that country and like these bunch of heathens, they're horrible people. They all live like a bunch of Buddhists. How successful do you think that missionary would be in that country? How successful? Would be, that is a recipe for unsuccess. Years ago, I was a chaplain in De Pere, Wisconsin for the fire department and the Green Bay fire department asked me to do a ceremony for them. And I asked them, why, why is it a big department like yours? Why do you not have a chaplain for your fire department? And they said, I'm going to be honest with you, chaplain. The reason why we can never keep a chaplain, we just can't find anybody who, who likes to hang around with heathens. And I said, if I can find somebody who likes to hang around heathens, would you accept him as your chaplain? Absolutely. Not only did I find one, but I found four who are still there today making a difference. And I think that as a church, we need to be people who are open to be chaplains to be life-giving followers of Jesus to people who are heathens. Instead of pointing out the sins of this world, we point out the love of Jesus. And that's why we do different events here at Thrive Church. That's why we've, in the past few years, we've done this event called the Moving Experience done this event called the extravaganza. We just do different things because we want to find a way to reach people and let them know 
that they are welcome, accepted, and loved by Jesus. Last of all, in making judgments, we want to be careful of jumping to conclusions. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, had this young man come into our youth group one night, and he was a mess. He was a complete disturbance, even getting loud and getting obnoxious, starting swearing at kids. I'm like, oh my word, like this is chaos. And I just, I've just had this discernment. Nah, this isn't right. This isn't right. The temptation was to shut him down, do my thing, you know, don't ever come back here again. Don't ever treat my kid. You know, you're like, I had a discernment. Something was off. Something was off, and they don't like, hey, hand it off the, the service to one of my guys. Hey, 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 Johnny, let's go out here and let's talk. John was his name, had come from a completely broken home, completely abusive home. Began to, as he calmed down a little bit, shared with me he had Tourette's syndrome did not take his medication, and he had just been triggered. And he's so glad that he was there that night. Do you see what I mean? Sometimes we, we jump to conclusions and we, we miss out, and I do this all the time, jumping to conclusions. But James tells us this, what if, this is a great, great insight for us, he tells us what if the, this great wisdom and discerning judgments, what if we just became quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry? What if we just begin to discern the situation instead of quickly judging and condemning the situation? My question for you this morning is this. What if, just what if, we changed our focus? What if we changed the paradigm, if you will? What if instead of judge and condemn which is so easy and so natural for us. What if we move from judge and condemn to discern and care? Discern and care. As I close out this message in Galatians 6, chapter one and three. Again, a situation that's happening in the church. Paul says, and dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is over, what, if another believer is overcome by sin. You got, you got somebody, you know, and some, again, so easy to throw a stone at somebody in the church. Oh, look at them, they're doing this and they're doing that. What if instead, you who are godly, what if we, we, we gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path? And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. When someone has fallen, Paul doesn't say anything about judging them. Doesn't say anything about judging them. He doesn't say, oh, you can find that sinner and throw a stone at him. Throw him out of the church. You know, sometimes, sometimes if you have been a if you've been a part of a church conflict before, I don't know if that's ever happened here at Thrive Church, but sometimes, and this has happened in a church and it's the saddest story, sometimes we, we have a tendency to shoot our wounded. We say, be gone. But what if we took Paul's advice and we chose to help 
that person, to love that person, and what if we chose to share in that person's burdens? And I think the best way for this to happen is in the context of relationships. And that's why you will hear this pastor get into a life group. I'm telling you, if you're gonna grow as a Christ follower, get into the life group because it's in life groups you discover relationships and you discover how to love each other. You discover that people do have failures. They do have faults. They do have sin in your life. But in the context of relationships, let me come alongside of you and help you to encourage you to motivate you on. That's when it happens in relationships. Relationships. I want you to know we're going to be launching our life group ministries here in the upcoming weeks. I want to tell you about a life group that I'm going to be leading here to church, and we're not going to limit it to anybody. It's called Alpha. Have you ever heard of Alpha before? Alpha is going to be a life group it's going to be a really big group, I hope and pray. And then we're going to break people up into groups of people to get to know each other. But it's going to be a life group here to church to help people who are maybe not there yet in their faith journey. Maybe they have not made that decision. Maybe you know somebody who says, I have questions about this, this faith thing. I want you to start praying about inviting them or asking them to come to this alpha group that maybe through this alpha group that those hindrances, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Christians are a bunch of judgmental. They can discover who Jesus is and experience the life change that they're looking for. I encourage you to look out for that. As we close out this service this morning, it is again one of those heavy messages. When I was preparing it, I'm like, ah, man, I I confess to you, Lord, I become too judgmental. Forgive me. That's you this morning. You don't need to raise your hand. You know. Maybe you've been doing a little bit too much people watching and not enough mirror looking. And just say, God, I want want you to forgive my heart. God, I want you to change my heart. I want to look more like Jesus. Lord, I, I, I confess I've thrown way too many stones and I've not loved people enough. Change my heart. Oh God, I want to be the life-giving follower of Jesus you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today, and you want to take that next step in your journey, and you want to become a, light, you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You've never made that decision. Maybe you're watching online. You want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is this. Just, just pray along with me. Just say, God, just, just humble your heart. God, I need you. I'm inviting you today to come live inside of me. I now know you're not a judge of condemnation. But you're the God of salvation. Come live inside of me. Forgive me. Transform me. I choose today to live for you. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God praise for his salvation today.